Prayer is the most powerful thing we can do in our days, but all too often it gets drowned out by the noise around us. But what if the noise in our earbuds could help us tune out the noise of the world and instead tune in to our most important conversation? That's why we're here, to bring you inspiring conversations, practical how-tos, and guided prayers to help you pray like you never thought possible. I'm Valerie Warner, and this is Prayer in a Noisy World. In today's episode, I'm talking with Diana Kerr. She is a certified professional life coach on a mission to help go-getter Christian women break free from overwhelm and design their time and life for what matters most. She's also been my life coach for the last three years. Diana lives in Milwaukee, Wisconsin with her husband, Kyle, and their sons, Harrington and George. Now, here's my interview with Diana Kerr. Welcome, Diana. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Um, Diana, you and I are some ambitious ladies, which is one reason we connected in the first place years and years ago. We like to set goals. We like to have a plan. And so often those things can rub against this romanticized idea of seeking God that a lot of us have. But I've really been impressed with how well you weave together God and goals. And I've heard from so many in my audience that it's a struggle to pursue God and goals at the same time. So I'm excited to talk with you about what that looks like and how to manage this tension in a healthy way. I would love to start out with hearing about what your prayer routine looks like on a daily basis right now. Yeah, so right now is the the operative phrase there because I think years ago I thought when I kind of first learned of this idea of a quote unquote quiet time, I kind of thought, oh, okay, you figure out some kind of a rhythm and routine and then you just do that. And at some point I realized, oh, my prayer life, my spiritual disciplines, whatever you want to call them, needs to change over time and needs to adapt to my life. And I think having my first child especially made me aware of that. Like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, every couple months I feel like I need to kind of have a different way that I'm approaching things. And I feel like my prayer life kind of goes in waves between, in some seasons, it's a lot more structured and specific. And in other seasons, it's a little bit more organic. And there's always a mix of both. But I kind of stole, I kind of combined a couple ideas from Ruth Haley Barton in her book, Sacred Rhythms, and then um, Mm -hmm. Emily P. Freeman in her book, The Next Right Thing, and kind of came up with this idea for myself of a quarterly soul minimalism retreat, I call it. And it's not an actual retreat by any means. I don't go anywhere. (laughs) That would be lovely. But I have two small kids. But I take a week for myself. And I mean, I could get into more details about it. But essentially, I take a week for myself to kind of quiet noise from the outside world and give myself a chance to think about the upcoming quarter, brainstorm possible spiritual disciplines that I might want to pursue. And I write them all down and then just prayerfully narrow it down and decide which ones I'm going to kind of commit to for the next quarter. So at this point in my life, I've got an 11-month-old and a four-year-old, and we are moving soon, and there's a lot going on. So in this season, prayer looks a little bit more organic than other seasons. Like for this, for most of the time, I'm using a Valmarie paper prayer journal. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this quarter, I'm not. But one thing that I, oh, it's been such a blessing to me over the last over a year now, is Sarah Haggerty's book, Adore, because I feel like that's one of my biggest, quote unquote, goals for my prayer life. It's not something that I can easily check off, but I just, I want to be in communion with God all throughout my day. I just want to think about him all the time and check in with him. And that is not something that comes naturally to me. I can tell that he's grown me in that over time, but it's not, it's not where I'd like it to be for sure. Um, so that's been a huge area of focus for me for this quarter is, um, working through, she kind of has like different prompts in her book on different, uh, characteristics of God. And so I'm looking up those verses and then putting them on a post-it note and sticking that on my planner or up by where I wash dishes or in my bathroom and just trying to praise God and adore him through Mm -hmm. these verses and based on different qualities of himself. I also have been practicing kind of my own, (laughs) 
simplified version of holy noticing, which is kind of uh, based on the book, holy noticing, and kind of a Christian meditation or mindfulness practice. So again, that's kind of an organic thing. I'm just trying to hone my ability to notice God and to praise him mm-hmm. and to check in with him and with my body and my thoughts and all that kind of stuff. Um, prayer also looks like a lot of both rhythmic and spontaneous prayer with my four-year-old and with my husband and for them, of course, and just worshiping to music. Um, praying through worship music is always really powerful for me. Trying to be braver, praying uh, with people and for people like on a voicemail or a boxer message or a video email. I'm probably missing some things, but those are some of the things right no, now. So that's, really that's great. more of that like organic, um, approach and just being mindful of God all throughout the day. Yeah. It's basically learning, um, living in God's presence. And I know that that was something yes. really big for me, whenever I had my second, um, was just feeling like I, I had really good quiet times, really long quiet times, even with one kid. But when the second one came, it was a different approach. And I'm so glad you mentioned Sarah. We actually are going to have her on the podcast to talk about adoration because that's something our audience has talked a lot about not really knowing how to do well and, um, or not really knowing how to expand on it. But when we know God, when we know who we are praying to, it literally changes everything. Mm -hmm. So it's super powerful. I'm glad you mentioned that. And if you guys could not tell another reason why me and Diana are such good friends, it's because we talk a lot about books and (laughs) our love language is telling you guys to go, you know, read these other books. So we'll put those in the show notes, the ones that she mentioned, but I loved, um, I know you've mentioned the holy noticing, and that's one that I definitely have on my list to read soon. Um, well, I would love to hear um, how you manage, and I know it, it sounds like this is not something to like check off a list. You've already kind of um, like noticed that you want it to be more of this like ongoing conversation with the Lord. But do you have any advice? Um, just knowing that, like, we might be talking to women who are ambitious who feel like prayer is something to check off their list and. How do you um, keep it from becoming just something that you feel like you have to check off and accomplish? And how do you focus on like just experiencing God in those moments and not having it be something that like has to be performed um, for this like goal that we have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have a perfect answer to that because I definitely still have room for growth there, but. I think the biggest thing to start with is remembering that we're not praying to please someone, to impress someone, to make God love us more. It starts with this posture of a child going to their father. And so when you think about it that way, it like that just takes a lot of pressure off of me to feel like I need to do this perfectly or I need to check off boxes or whatever it may be. But I think a big part of not getting too legalistic or too stuck in having to check things off when it comes to my spiritual life for me has been allowing myself some freedom, which is, is hard for me, but allowing myself some freedom to pursue disciplines that, uh, that feel life giving in the season that I'm in. And I say that with so much, even as I Mm -hmm. say that, I'm like, Oh no, put an asterisk on that. That's so dangerous because you know, a lot of us have read Jen Wilkins book and she talks about, even if you don't feel like reading the hard parts of the Bible, you should, and it's good for you. And I believe all that. And at the same time, Mm -hmm. I also believe that pursuing God in a way that is what, in a a way that just is not working for you in this time of your life is not really going to be that helpful. And so I've tried to be that person who's like, well, so-and-so does this for their prayer life. And so I'm going to write it down Mm -hmm. on my power sheet school planner or my habit tracker or whatever, and I'm going to do this thing. And it's so much harder to hold myself to it. And then I dread it and I end up doing it just to check it off. And so giving myself more freedom. I think Dallas Willard said something like, if a discipline is not producing freedom in me, then it's probably not the right discipline for me right now. I'm totally paraphrasing that. But Mm -hmm. so that helps me to not get too stuck checking it off, choosing things that, and pushing myself obviously sometimes, but choosing things that feel like, yes, I want to worship God in this way. I want to pray in this way. And at the same time, I'm not afraid to get practical when it comes to prayer. And I'm not afraid to track things off or, you know, check things off and track things. If it's something that I'm really trying to 
cultivate and a muscle that I'm really trying to develop. But I just try to remember what the bigger picture is. Why am I doing this in the first place? And if I can, you know, I'm a very practical and goal-oriented person and I'm a life coach. Mm -hmm. So if I can, I will try to, I don't know if this makes sense, but kind of try to set myself up for success with very practical black and white strategies in order to have a prayer life that is a little bit more fluid and organic. So rather than being like, okay, I'm going to do these very, very rigid things in my prayer life and I'm going to sit down and do X, Y, Z and check it off and then I'm done. Instead, I'm like, okay, how can I use my goal-oriented, very practical nature to kind of set myself up to be able to do some of that more organic, natural, spontaneous all throughout the day kind of prayer instead. Because I think if you focus too much just on like, well, I don't want to check off the boxes. I don't want, I don't want my spiritual life to become this thing where I'm just checking off the boxes. Well, then sometimes you don't honor it at all. And Mm -hmm. I think we think it's weird sometimes to track our spiritual life. That's the most important thing to us. So (laughs) if we're tracking how much water we drink throughout the day or things like that, it probably makes sense to, to some extent, to track our spiritual life or put some effort into it. And so I'll use kind of, okay, um, I'm going to, you know, put a post-it up or I'm going to kind of have this rhythm or I'm going to use this thing as a trigger or I'm going to piggyback this habit, um, and add in this other habit along with it, that kind of stuff. That makes sense. Yes. Okay. So I loved it. I want to point out a few things that you just said. Number one, it sounded like you were saying you're, you're less worried about the method being exactly, um, something like you're not saying you aren't pursuing God. You're just saying the method might be a little different, which I think is, um, just important to know, like, you know, and you even said it, like some people might do it this way. Some people might do it this way. You're still pursuing the Lord no matter what. It's just maybe a different method. Um, yeah. And then the other thing that you said that I really loved was you, you're you basically creating boundaries around your time. You're um, Maybe like some structure around that without making the actual thing become like this really strict, uh, to-do list or something like, um, like you might, does, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like you structure around the actual thing to where you can, can do it without it becoming this rote, same thing every day, um, thing that just has to get checked off. Mm -hmm. And I know I talk about in, um, pray confidently and consistently. We have a whole chapter on like tools that we can use and things that we might've been scared of in the past. And I talk about, you know, set prayer times, you know, using pre-written prayers, different things like that. There's so many things that we can feel like they're just a, they take away the romanticism with God. They take away, like we think of it, like it's supposed to be this, you know, romantic comedy. And I use the example of when Harry met Sally, which is like my favorite. Um, (laughs) and just talked about how, like, how, like, how not fun would it be to hear them, you know, say like, okay, we met. And then like in five years, they say, all right, I'll meet you back here in five years. If the, if it was planned every time. So I think Mm -hmm. sometimes we think our time with the Lord is like that. Like we, if it, we want it to be like, it just comes when we just have this burst of inspiration to pray. And, um, I think what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, there, there is ways to like structure it without it being, um, boring and rote. And, um, like there's still a lot of freedom within your prayer life. Um, yeah. Even as somebody who does like things structured like me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think in so many of the areas in our life that are important to us, we are going to have to put in effort sometimes and do things that maybe in the moment we don't feel excited about, but, we can choose things that we feel a little bit more interested in. (laughs) Let me explain. Like, okay, you want to prioritize your marriage or you want to prioritize your health. You're not always going to feel like doing activities that help honor those things, but you can choose activities that you look forward to more than the things that you completely dread. So like, you're not always going to feel pumped about prioritizing Mm -hmm. exercise and going to work out. And sometimes you might not see the results of that right away or feel like, oh, that was so worth it. And that was a great workout. And I just, you know, whatever, I can't wait to go to the gym, but 
just because you might not love every minute of it or feel super excited to do it doesn't mean that you have to choose the exercise that you absolutely dread and look forward to the least. You can still, you know, you can choose the things that are going to still get you great results that still have the outcome in mind, but that you're going to enjoy a little bit more. Yep. Yeah. I love that. Um, so I want to switch gears a little bit and just talk about like praying in our goals. Um, so often they can feel like they're on like two different sides, like goals feel like they're like us pursuing something that we want to do. And then praying kind of feels like we're just following the Lord. So how have you found, um, found it best to marry those two together to make it to where your goals actually help you follow the Lord? And, um, yeah, I would just love to hear your thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. I wish that I was doing this perfectly. I'm certainly not. So I guess it's more helpful to hear from someone who's like, I don't have it figured out. I remember years ago hearing Lisa Turker say something about how she's the kind of person who likes to plan things out and then pray and ask God to bless those things. And I was like, oh, that's so convicting. That's so me versus praying first and being like, God, what are the plans that you have for me? What do you want me to do? And so I am still just Holy Spirit, like hear my prayer right now. Please make me that person who goes to prayer first instead of the planning first. But um, I think, you know, so I I know you know this, Val, and we were going to maybe talk about this, but I took a break from goal setting for a couple years and uh, not too long ago. And I don't know if that was It was partially because of this. It was because I felt like when I set goals, then I end up being so focused on those goals and so intent on achieving them that I get frustrated with the divine interruptions that come from God. And I am more focused on what I have set out to do than what God has for me or how my life changes. And I don't think that taking a break for that long was necessarily the right approach. I don't think a break from goals was the right answer for me. I think setting more surrendered goals was mm-hmm. the answer. And this is a tricky thing. And I think part of why I don't have an answer to this is because, well, for one, the Bible doesn't super clearly spell out how we should approach this kind of stuff. And number yeah. two, um, because this is one of those things as Christians that we're just always going to have some tension with. We're always going to walk in some tension with this. And that's okay. And it's good. And so I don't think that if we really, really want to be like Jesus and become more like our Savior, I don't think we have the luxury of either being super, super laid back about our life and our intentions or on the flip side, being super, super rigid. I think when I look at how Jesus lived, when I look at the Bible as a whole, it to me, it seems to point to living your life with intention and putting some forethought and planning into things and then also not making those an idol or holding them too tightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so setting goals for me as a believer um, looks like, for one, putting a lot of time into it so that I don't get to putting enough time into it so that I'm, I know I'm not just getting swept up with what seems attractive to Diana right now, but that I'm really, 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 really in alignment with what really, really matters long-term and what really matters to God. And then it means setting those goals, but having very open hands and keeping the bigger picture of my life in mind as I go about them. So that if it's the 27th of the month and I still have a goal I want to check off, but my neighbor is outside and we strike up conversation and there goes an hour of time that I was hoping I could use to declutter that closet and check it off my list that I'm reminding myself, you know, crossing off my goals. Yes. I set these intentionally and thoughtfully and prayerfully, But ultimately, crossing these goals off is not my ultimate goal, (laughs) and it's not the ultimate measure of my success as a human or as a Christian. So that's definitely hard for me, and I don't do it perfectly. And I think that's a – and it feels weird to me as a life coach and as someone who's very productive and very good at getting things done to not always accomplish my goals every month because sometimes I have to pull back in a moment and make a decision like, no, it's I'm not going to finish this thing this month. I love that. And, you know, I would say that you 
probably do a better job of that than you think. Cause I know like when we talk like your perspective, you do seem to hold things loosely and kind of have a surrendered and it, and it might be because of this struggle that you feel like whenever you, you, you've gone through seasons where you hold it so tightly, you just feel like, um, you might've have, have gone in the other direction, but I see that. I see that in you. I also think what you just said was, um, if we can hold on to an eternal perspective, then it, first of all, our goals will never, can never be above, above God's plan. If we have that eternal perspective, Mm -hmm. if we are keeping a worldly perspective, those goals will always be above talking to our neighbor, doing things like that. And I know one of, in one of our, our early sessions together, we talked about having less measurable moments because Mm -hmm. I am very much like that too. I would, choose finishing up the laundry, then go and spend 15 minutes talking to somebody. Um, just the other day I had somebody unexpectedly, one of my neighbors come over and just chat for a while and I was supposed to be decluttering something. And so it's funny <laughs> you mentioned that. And it's yeah. just, it, if you can remember that, that there is something bit, your goals can guide you to follow the Lord, but you just have to know that that they're they're a tool that you use to follow the Lord as opposed to the ultimate goal is mm-hmm. not to follow you know like check mm-hmm. everything off the list and I think um, as I think about that now my sister has a devotional called Eternally Fixed and I think you said you were going I'm through, it, through right it right now yes I love it I yes. love it well I'm actually she told me I needed to go through it because I've been struggling with some things lately and. Um, And I just think like, and she told me, she said, you know, whenever I wrote that devotional, just in that time, she remembers thinking nothing could touch her because she just had this eternal perspective. Mm -hmm. Like nothing could, nothing was so big that it felt so daunting. And I just, uh, you know, I want that perspective too. And I think, um, it's just powerful, a powerful way to live and a powerful way to, to, you know, like make these plans, but also just hold them loosely. So I love Mm -hmm. that. I love, I love everything that just came out of which we're sharing there. Um, okay. So I would love to going back to kind of like your personal prayer. What have been some of the hardest parts for you with praying? Like, is it, you know, in the book, pray confidently and continually, we talk about these 15 weights, these things that hold us back from prayer, from like running and pursuing God. Um, what, what things do you feel like have held you back? And I'll just give you a few examples of what's, um, what's coming. I know it's not out yet, but, um, what's coming is, you know, the expectations that we place on God, the ideas of like feeling like we have to say something the right way. Um, we talk about fasting, like if that's, you know, like something that I know a lot for a lot of people today, that's kind of unheard of to do. It kind of feels very archaic. Um, I'm trying to think. I should probably re, re, re look at the book, but uh, yeah, I'd love to hear it. You probably already know what your biggest struggles are, but those are just to get you started if, if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some good ones. Um, I would say probably one of my biggest struggles the is very obvious, just keeping my brain focused. And so mm-hmm. writing out my prayers or even speaking them out loud, which still feels awkward to me, but is so helpful is one way that I, or a couple ways that I combat that. Um, I'll be honest. Another thing that's hard for me is just believing that it actually works and actually makes a difference, especially as Mm -hmm. an achiever where it feels really good to clean out your inbox and see, oh, now there's no emails in here or declutter something and be like, there's less stuff here or clean something, whatever it may be and really, really see physical progress. And so that's hard for me. And I think that I would pray more and make that more of a priority if I really fully believed that. I mean, intellectually, Mm -hmm. I know that it's incredibly powerful and, but I still, my, my faith is not as strong there as it could be. And another thing that I appreciate your honesty on that. Yeah. Another thing that is still hard for me, but there's certainly been a lot of growth is just, I just still get nervous praying in front of other people. And I worry about not sounding stupid. And I, I did not really grow up in a home where we would pray spontaneously. It was a lot more recited, memorized prayers. Mm -hmm. And so as an adult, 
<laughs> I remember sitting in my first small group when I was in my early 20s and at the end of every week our leader would be like who wants to pray and I would just start sweating even though oh, I knew yeah. I wasn't going to volunteer to do it <laughs> and but anyway little by little over time as I have volunteered and pitted out a lot of my shirts uh <laughs> it's gotten a little bit easier and a side note if you're someone who feels uncomfortable praying in front of other people I am always so encouraged when I hear someone pray out loud and and they're kind of fumbling over their words and you can tell they're a little bit nervous because that yeah. makes me feel better. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I don't have to do this perfectly. I enjoy listening to people pray who are super, super eloquent. And I also, it's also really valuable for me to hear people pray who like, uh, for whom it's just a little bit more difficult. So if you are well, that person, <laughs> like, don't be afraid to volunteer and pray and get sweaty and nervous and you're not the only one. And it certainly gets easier over time. So yeah, I just have what to remind I just myself took away from that. Yeah. What, uh, what I just took away from that is that you can be that person for somebody else too. Yes. That's awesome. Like <laughs> if you know, like if I fumble my words, I'm making somebody else feel better. Like, oh my gosh, just to know you, it is purposeful and you don't have to feel like your purpose is not to say it perfectly. Your purpose might be to make somebody else feel comfortable as you pray to the Lord. So I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. And the good news is when you fumble over your words, you can't take, you can't take credit. You can't get any glory mm -hmm. for yourself in those instances, right? (laughs) It's just all about God. I love that. Yeah, that's, um, that is a big, actually something that we've talked about a lot, uh, with our audience is that is a, is a giant fear for people. And, um, I have started doing like this Facebook live every, every month, because I feel like the more we hear other people pray, the more we can feel confident to pray. Mm -hmm. You know, like if, if you've never heard, like, I always attribute the fact that I feel comfortable praying with other people because my mom prayed over me all the time as a kid. Mm. And so I'll even hear her pray her. I'll hear her pray sometimes. And I'm like, Oh, that sounds like how I pray. You know, like it's things that you don't even realize you picked up from her, but, um, yeah, that, and that is something this year, as we talk as a community, like that is our heart is to get people praying together because it is Mm. so powerful. And I loved your honesty about just not knowing if prayer works or not that you were saying you don't know if prayer works, but that is the, that is the great struggle is feeling like, um, there's all these other things that are urgent and specific that, you know, like our kid calling us to go do something, it, we can react immediately to that, but the Lord isn't pounding down, beating our door down to talk in prayer. He, he wants to, he wants that he is constantly sitting with us and, um, available to us, but he's not beating our door down for us to do that. Mm -hmm. He is, um, inviting us, but it's quiet. And I think, um, the, uh, the more we pray, the more we dive into that, the more we get to see the answered prayers in our life, like, pray specifically, like see, see what the Lord is doing. And I'm not saying this to you, Diana, but like, just, you know, for anybody who just feels that, that pressure of like, I, you know, want to, but I'll, I'll never prioritize it because it doesn't feel as important. I just looked up, um, cause I remember Oswald Ch- Chambers has a quote that says prayer does not fit us for the greater work prayer is the greater work. Mm. And I think it's a powerful quote because it's really hard to believe, you know, it kind of feels like, eh, I don't really know about that. But, but, you know, part of our prayers may be Lord, increase our faith, increase our belief, Mm. not only in you, but in prayer that this matters. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just, I think that's, I'm really glad you shared that because I know that's, um, something a lot of people think about. If you're enjoying this episode, I want to share with you something to help take your prayer life deeper. My new book, Pray Confidently and Consistently, is now available. Over the last eight years, I've had thousands of conversations with fellow weary prayers who just want something more for their prayer time. It's almost a unanimous vote that even those who feel like they know how to study the Word find it most difficult to pray. That's why I wrote this book. In it, you'll discover 15 weights that hold us back and keep us from the prayer life we never thought was possible. Grab your copy in our shop at valmariepaper.com on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. What have been some of your biggest answered prayers that you've seen the Lord do in your life? Hmm. 
Without a and doubt, they can the be biggest. small. <laughs> what? As in, and they can be small, like just even, <laughs> you know, recent things like that you've just seen like, oh, this happened and this was just, you know, out of left field or, you know, something you knew is from the Lord. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I should keep a list over the course of my life of things. That would be a cool thing to do because there are so yes. many. Um, but I mean, the thing that comes to mind for me immediately is by far one of the biggest things in my life. And that is basically freeing me, so to speak, from rheumatoid arthritis. And yes. that's something, I don't know, maybe you can link in the show notes. I can send you a link or something to to that story for me. But long story short, very long story short, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis in my teens, um, you know, basically told not to, to stop exercising, knee replacement. I could barely walk without medication, all sorts of things. Just kind of thought this is going to be my life. And I'm just sort of crippled even on medication and I always will be and might not ever be able to have kids because how am I going to stop taking this medication long enough to get pregnant and have a baby and all that. And um, through God's just amazing, miraculous love and healing and my nutritionist and vitamins and food and all sorts of amazing things, goodness, God made our bodies so miraculously to heal. Um, Yeah. Today I'm medication free for several years now and have two healthy babies who were birthed, you know, healthy and without any issues, any complications, healthy pregnancies. So that is just a huge, huge, huge answered prayer. And I'm glad that you asked that question because I was just thinking the other day that I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be like the 10 lepers who in the moment were like, this is awesome. Thanks God. And then ran away and went on with their life. Yes. So yes, I think oh, it's a fun I question to ask, ask people and just give them a mm-hmm. chance to praise God and be like, here's this amazing thing that God did in my life. Because most people, unless you knew me at that time in my life, or you know me really, really well now have mm-hmm. no idea that that's, that I went through all of that. And that this basically miracle occurred in my life. So that was a huge answered prayer. Something that I, I, you know, I really had no idea how God would answer it. And my health is still not perfect by any means, but it's overall very, very good. And so that was a huge blessing and definitely one of those prayers where, you know, that very cliche serenity prayer about like (laughs) accepting what you can't change and influencing what you can, whatever, and knowing the difference. And that was definitely one of those situations for me where I was like, okay, there's, this is not something that I'm praying for. That's completely out of my control. There's a lot I can influence here, but ultimately it is up to God. And for many years I was trying all these things that I thought would work, thought would make the difference and they weren't working. And then eventually we did find something, did find something that worked. So yeah. I love that. And there's, uh, I can't think of the scripture right now, but it's in Psalms about sharing the deeds, sharing the deeds that the Lord has done and how powerful that is. And, um, one of the themes of the book is talking about like the God answers our prayers that are going to bring him glory. Mm-hmm. And if we have answered prayers, like if God answers the biggest prayer in your life today, who's going to know about it? Mm-hmm. Is anybody beside you going to be affected by that? And you know, our God is really gracious and he cares about us in like the small individual ways, but he has a mission to mm-hmm. bring glory to himself to other people. So I think about that a lot, like you sharing your story, like that that happened so that you can give God the glory for that. So I love I love that you've shared it on your blog. We'll definitely link to that. Um I know I've read it and been very encouraged by it too. Um so I'm I'm glad you shared that. What about the tough um what are the biggest no's that you've felt like God has said? And, you know, did it sway your faith? Like, was there something that you just felt like, oh, I just felt like I was praying to a ceiling or, Mm. you know, something like that. And then maybe even like, did it, did, did you ever learn why it happened? Cause I know sometimes we get to know Mm -hmm. why God sends a no and it's, you know, we get to experience that pretty quickly. And then other times we don't, but I'd love to hear if you have either of those kind of stories. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, goodness. I mean, just think about all the things that you wanted when you were in middle school or high school that you prayed for. Thank goodness God didn't give us all those things. I would be married to some other person that I had a crush on in sixth grade or something, you know? So (laughs) I feel like God is so good in his nose. And even everything that I've gone through with my health, I Mm -hmm. would be a teacher right now if it weren't for arthritis. That was the path that I was on in college. And I mean, my life would look would look so different. And he's been so good through the nose. Um, and I think that sounded funny through the nose, like not N-O-S-E. <laughs> through the nose. Anyway. <laughs> in O apostrophe S. I'll be honest, like the thing that feels most heavy for me in general, but especially right now, as far as prayers that God has answered with a no or with a not yet, I guess, are just um, salvation for people who I love yeah. and care about so much. And we are about to move. We've lived, we're not moving like far, but obviously new neighborhood, new neighbors. We've lived in this neighborhood for nine years now. We have amazing relationships with our neighbors and a lot of neighbors all around us who do not know the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we, we've tried so hard. We've been so missional and we've tried mm-hmm. the things and we've, invited them to church in strategic ways and for events that we thought would really fit each person individually or each family and, you know, talked about God and salted our conversations and asked bold questions when it was appropriate and all sorts of things. And from what I can tell, it hasn't made any difference. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so that's, that's hard leaving this neighborhood feeling like, nine years of daily walks, you know, and talking to neighbors and having neighbors over and all these things. And did it do anything, God? And I've prayed and prayed and prayed for these people and not to mention other people in my life who don't know God. And Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it. It hasn't seemed to move the needle for any of them. And I think that's such a humbling thing to, to not see results in because Mm -hmm. what could be more important than that is someone's salvation and for God to not very clearly show us results is just such a good reminder that it's not my job and that I can't control things. And, um, I have influence, I have some influence over those people, but I can't control it. And God knows that I would love to steal the credit and the glory for any possible thing that I can. I think it's why he gave me a four-year-old who seems impossible despite all the parenting courses and books that I read um, so that I wouldn't be prideful. And and probably same thing with these neighbors. So that's humbling. And even though I know like, oh, okay, you planted the seed and you never know what God will do. And like all those yeah. things. intellectually, <laughs> it still feels hard. Like, God, like, yes, what are we, we doing to... here? Like what's wrong with us? Or why did you have us here and not show us any, any results? I'm going to challenge you since you challenge me on a monthly basis. <laughs> Please do. Um, Okay. So I was going to, I was going to mention the seed thing as cheesy as that is, you might be (laughs) planting a seed that doesn't get, get, you know, plant grown or whatever for decades. But first of all, you have been faithful. You have been following God. So you are not, you won't be, uh, judged for, you know, like somebody else's decision. It's hard. It's still hard because you're just like, I still want to see that. Obviously you want to see that. You love that person. Like, Yes. And, how could and you, you not, you, if you care about someone, how, you want them to know God and have his love and joy and peace just uh, so badly. But you're, you're the, the way that your heart breaks for people. I was reading about Ian Bounds and he was, um, he was, he'd go to these conferences with other, not conferences, but like he'd travel as a pastor and he'd have a share a room with like a younger pastor. And they'd always say like, yeah, he just would wake up in the morning and be weeping silently Mm -hmm. for lost souls as he prayed. And that was so like humbling to me because I was just thinking, I don't weep like this, but, but the fact that like, that is a gift that, that you have a heart for that. And my prayer for you is going to be that you see a glimpse, a, just a glimpse, Mm -hmm. a tiny little glimpse of the impact you've made. It might be a response from somebody before you leave, like, as you know, as they give you a hug and just thank you for being who you are. Um, but I pray that you get to see that. And I pray that the Lord would keep your eyes so open if there are any things like that, that maybe just fall through the cracks because they aren't the big 
salvation story or something mm-hmm. like that, but that, that you would see that. Cause you know, it, it's some of those things that we seek the Lord to, um, reveal to us may be there in smaller or smaller things or in a different place than we expect. So, mm-hmm. um, that is, that is my prayer. And I actually wrote down to just be praying for those people that, um, there would maybe be some big opportunity before you leave, um, for you to just share with them and, and for them to stay on your heart as you move and, mm-hmm. you know, to continue to pray for them. But I just love that that's your heart. And, um, I know God, God sees your faithfulness and I don't know. I just love that. I love that so much. Thank you. Okay. Diana, I would love to hear if prayer was modeled for you throughout your life. I know you kind of mentioned, um, having a little bit of that as a child, maybe not in, um, spontaneous prayers, but what did that look like for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I have been in Christian schools my entire life, including college. So I've been incredibly blessed to learn a lot about the Bible, learn a lot about God, memorize tons and tons of scripture, memorize prayers, memorize creeds, all the things. And I had parents and grandparents and people in my life who were very close to God and strong in their faith, um, for sure. But I don't, I don't, I don't want to throw anyone in my family under the bus, but I don't remember, much spontaneous prayer. I remember reciting the same dinner prayer over and over and the same bedtime Mm -hmm. prayer and reciting the same prayers in church and all that kind of stuff. I don't really remember more, you know, off the cuff kind of prayer from the heart, spontaneous in the moment, that kind of stuff. Now, granted, maybe my parents and my grandparents and stuff were doing those things, just not in front of me, but. Oh yeah. So that was a hard, that was definitely hard in adulthood as I started to be around people who would pray more like that Mm -hmm. and kind of out of my own little denominational bubble. And, and as I realized that I wanted to be more like that and the person who influenced me the most probably with that kind of stuff was actually someone who was like a grandfather figure to me in California. I was born in California originally. And as a kid, I vaguely remember before we moved, uh, here to Wisconsin. And then every single time that I would go visit them, which was often, Instead of doing, he was the same denomination as me, but instead of doing, you know, a routine recitation for prayer, everyone would hold hands and he would pray from his heart. And that, I, like, I can still just picture him. We call, he was Chilean. We called him Tata. Um, I can still just like picture and feel that. And so I went into my marriage being like, this is how I want to pray in our house. I don't want us to just, Mm -hmm. I'm okay with, you know, it's good to have prayers that you memorize and, and things like that. That's all good. But I want us to pray from the heart and I want to teach our kids how to just pray in any moment and just talk to God. And it's not going to be fancy and perfect because we weren't really taught how to pray from the heart as kids. Um, I think I remember in catechism class learning the like, you know, what is it? A-C-T-S, like acts and, you know, it each stands (laughs) for something. That was about the extent of what I remember. So, so yes, I think in some ways not having that as a kid, but then having that one person in my life who prayed very differently and who you could just There was just such a difference in a dinner prayer with Tata versus every other dinner prayer that I said with everyone else. And it drew me in. And so sometimes not having something as a kid makes you that much more passionate about having that as an adult or passing that on to your kids. And so that's made me really excited for that to be something that I do more often with my kids. And man, I can see like I've got a feisty kid and he drives me nuts sometimes, but I can see even from when he was two, how the Holy Spirit is working in him and how he'll feel sad or angry about something. Or he'll see just the other day, like our neighbors, um, uh, we, like our neighbor had an ambulance over at their house and the ambulance is going down the street and how he asks to pray. And like, (laughs) that's so cool. It's so cool. That has got to be the Holy Spirit because I'm not crushing Mm -hmm. it at this. But, (laughs) but it's been, it's been so fun and I love that. So yeah. So dinner prayers at our house, like they know the, um, or they, my 11 month old can't talk, obviously Harry, my four-year-old knows like the recited prayers and everything. And he can do those at grandparents' houses and with family and stuff. But, um, for dinner time, it's 
just talking to God and for bedtime and um, other times throughout the day. So, yeah. I love that. Um, And I know, you know, we have a lot of moms who have talked about wanting to learn how to teach our kids how to pray. And I think that's just a really good reminder of what you can instill at such an early age, you know, like just knowing, knowing the impact that they will have throughout their life. So, um, I'm glad you shared that. Um, okay. So last question for you, Diana is I want to hear what you aspire your prayer life to be like. We actually asked this question on social media recently and it was just really humbling to see the answers and, um, and it, I think it's encouraging to know that we are all on a journey of prayer. Nobody is perfect. Um, we all have room to still grow. So we'd love to hear what that looks like for you. Hmm. Can I just pray like Francis Chan? <laughs> Can that be my answer? Not that I want to be get stuck in comparison or anything, but man, I love how that guy prays. You can just tell he just loves Jesus so much. Did you watch him praying the Lord's Prayer at If Gathering? Like a few months ago, like Jenny asked him to pray and he prayed the Lord's prayer and it was like, wow, the Lord's prayer is so awesome. Like it just, yeah. Like you, we needed to be reminded of that. That he had like, holy, holy, holy. Um, anyway, so, but I guess going back to, so what I aspire, I just, I want to love God more. I want him to be so beautiful to me and so wonderful to me that I can't help but praise and worship him and talk to him mm-hmm. um, and confess to him all throughout my day. And kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier with, you know, adoration and just wanting to be in communion with him. So I don't care if someday when I die, I'm still fumbling over my words when I pray. Um, but I guess what quote unquote success would look like would just be like really walking in step with him throughout the day and feeling like the Holy Spirit is it like truly guiding me and he is in mind as I'm taking my steps because I can definitely get caught up in work tasks or stuff with kids and all of a sudden two hours have passed and I'm like, I don't think I even thought about God in the last two hours. Mm-hmm. So that's what I aspire to is just chatting with God all day and just enjoying him because he's awesome until someday when I'm in heaven and I get to chat with him in real life. Yeah. This prayer is just a taste of heaven. We talk about that a lot. It is, it is a glimpse into this very full relationship that we're going to have when we're in heaven. So I love it. Um, okay. So we're going to have Diana pray and we've, I've talked to her about this already, but, um, a couple months ago, she shared a prayer in her, um, weekly newsletter. Um, and I'm going to link to it because she actually, it was so popular. She ended up sharing it in the welcome email that she sends out, but it is a prayer to slow us down. And, um, it's, it, you know, if you feel like you have that ambitious heart that wants to follow the goals and do everything, um, close your eyes if you're, if you're not driving, um, or just take a few minutes to really listen to this. I think it will encourage you and, um, and let it be your prayer. Just, um, when we talk about praying with other people, um, part of that is, you know, listening to the words, but it's also letting those words become words for yourself. Um, and just, just echoing the, the heart behind it. Um, so as you hear it, I pray that it would be, um, encouraging to you. So Diana, if you'd like to pray for us, yes, I would love to. Um, and as I, I'm not Catholic, but I've been to enough Catholic masses where they do the kind of thing where I don't know what it's called. Sorry, but they say a phrase and then everyone responds like, Lord, hear our prayer. And I just realized Mm -hmm. as I was about to start this, this prayer, that this prayer kind of has that because at the end of every line is, Lord, slow me down. So as you're listening to this, if you don't feel like a total weirdo, if you want to just say that out loud or even just kind of whisper it, yes, <laughs> um, I love that. wherever you're listening to this, just Lord, slow me down and just kind of help this seep into your heart. Okay. Lord, slow me down. When you see me rushing through life, frazzled and hurried, Lord, slow me down. When I'm more focused on meticulously filling my calendar than filling myself with you, Lord, slow me down. When my mind is running nonstop and crowding out your voice, Lord, slow me down. When I'm more worried about what we'll feed ourselves for dinner this week than I am with feeding my soul, Lord, slow me down. 
When I unexpectedly run into someone I know and try to keep the conversation as brief as possible, Lord, slow me down. When daily time in your word becomes just another item to check off my to-do list, Lord, slow me down. When I scramble to please and impress everyone instead of living for an audience of one, Lord, slow me down. When I'm so busy communicating via email and text and Facebook that I don't make time for meaningful conversation with my loved ones, Lord, slow me down. When my days are so consumed with managing my stuff that I forget to thank you for those gifts, Lord, slow me down. When my thin patience affects the people closest to me, Lord, slow me down. When I'm spending my time on good things but still totally missing the point of what matters, Lord, slow me down. Slow me down, Lord, and bring me peace from the frenzy before this earthly life runs away with the precious moments and days I can never get back. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Diana. That Thanks, was beautiful. Pal. I love you. It's fun um, to chat with you as always. I know. I'm so excited for your um, book. It's going <laughs> to be such you. a blessing. Well, she didn't tell me to say that, you guys, but I really am just so excited. She's put so, you have no idea what uh, what a process Val has for her book writing and how much intention and prayer, ironically, not ironically, and, and thought and effort she puts into it. It's amazing. Thank you, Diana. You're the best. And um, I want you to tell us where we can find you. Yes. So um, the best thing to do would just be to get on my email list. I don't, um, I'm not an Instagram and we don't do a ton social media wise, but if you're on my email list, you will not miss out on anything. And I send out valuable, super helpful emails, not like selling or spamming you or anything like that. People, people like them. So, <laughs> so if you want to go to dianacurr.com slash workbook, that's probably the best place to start. We'll send you a, a free guide. It's called three lies about time that Christian women tell themselves and three truths that'll set you free. And, um, then you'll get the little welcome series. A few of my, a few of my favorite emails and some gifts and stuff. And in one of those emails, you'll get, um, that Lord slow me down prayer in case you want to print it or save it or just read it again. So that's probably the best place to find me because then any new blog posts that come out, YouTube content, etc., will let you know about it via email. Yes. And I, I found Diana years ago um, and went on her blog and basically thought that we were just two peas in a pod. Um, I loved everything she wrote about. I, read, I think I stayed up for hours just very late at night reading her blog. So if you enjoy um, our blog, Valmarie Paper, you will love hers even more. So go check it out. Um, Thank you so much, Diana. This has been great. I hope it's been encouraging and I appreciate your time and I can't wait to chat soon. (laughs) Thanks, Val.